San Diego is a good place for, for Seth because it's got a lot of military people there, people that like to go into the water with him and do good stuff. So he's got some great connections there. So if you've been with us the last few weeks, we are going to do a, a, a lesson titled All the Fixins. Some of you thought it was food. Uh, thanks for coming anyway. Appreciate your, your spirit there. Um, we are excited about the series because it's a, it involves your family, it involves my family, it involves the future of your kids' families. We talked a lot about a lot of things. Uh, if you want, want to go back in time and listen to some of the messages that we, uh, that we spoke about weeks prior to this Sunday, you can go online at shorelinecoc.com and listen to your heart's content. You can pause, but I only encourage you to listen for yourself. This is, whenever I listen to a sermon on the radio or on the, on the computer, I listen for me. I don't bring my wife. Hey, honey, you got to hear this. This was for you. <laughs> listen for you. Because the only person you can change in your family is you. That's the only person you can change. So the idea of all the fixings is to reconcile with your family members in spite of where they're at. In spite of where they're at. You know... Family is so complicated, is it not? The terms father, mother, son, daughter, and brother are never emotionally neutral. It always stirs up something. If you mention my brother Danny, I'm like, man, he used to ditch me as a kid and leave me in strange places. (laughs) Ah, You know, that's what my big brothers are supposed to do. He'd lead me astray because I'd follow him, and then he'd disappear, and I'm like, how do I get home? He'd just leave. So it brings up a motion of, that was not cool. He still hasn't apologized. (laughs) These are some of the things that come into your mind. Or that mother, your mother, she left us when we were kids. Or dad, reckless spending and we're broke. Or daughter, man, I told my my daughter not to marry that man. Now she's married. And it brings up these feelings. Perhaps the worst lie you can tell yourselves about your own personal family is, I don't care anymore. I don't care. I don't care. We're all growing up. He goes his way. I go my way. I don't care. And it's one of the biggest lies we can tell each other. Because you do care. You just got exhausted caring. We just got tired of caring about, man, I can't take care of himself. How long is he going to live with mom and dad? Can he hold a job? Why did he drop out of college? Why did he do that? These are some of the things that I feel at times. Why is this happening? I don't care. Let him figure it himself. He doesn't take any input. This is a no sound advice. I can't talk to this person. And we see him at Christmas. Hello. (laughs) Glad it's once a year. That's not the kind of family that God wants for you. And sometimes you try to reconcile and you can't, but it's worth the try in spite of. You were created to care about your family. That's why it's so emotional for us. Um, If not, something's wrong with you if you don't care about your family. You're like, me? Yeah, you. Something's wrong with you if you stop caring about your brother, your sister, your mom, and your dad. Something's wrong. Because you were created to care. And some of us, we stop caring. We've gone our own way. In fact, some of us have moved away from our families. 
We got away from them while we could. And maybe that was a smart move at that time. But there's still this emotion that lingers. And every relationship is important. But the, one of the most important relationships that you have is with your father. Dad. Remember how many, how many pounds is, does a mother's words weigh? 50 pounds. How many pounds does a dad's words weigh? 500 pounds. When dad says something, it's, it's a heavy weight. And sometimes our relationship with our own fathers is strained. Because we could not bear the weight of his words. Even though it may have been true. Even though it may have been awesome. It just buried us. It buried us. You know, for a long time I played soccer. My whole life. Playing soccer just to hear the words, Son, you're awesome. And so I played and I played and scoring goal after goal and trophy after trophy and putting them up on the, on the, on the, on the, uh, the, 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 uh, the little counters or the little uh, mantle my mom used to make. There was literally four brothers. There was a hundred trophies. But all we wanted to hear was from dad was, man, you're an awesome soccer player. That's all we wanted to hear. So we kept, kept going and he'd see them, he'd walk by them and just move on. <laughs> Acknowledge the greatness. Please. First place, all-stars. Travel team. Travel team's hard. For years, my father would come to my games when I was a kid. And he would yell at everybody. Me included. And I was like, Mom, he shouldn't come to the games anymore. So my dad stopped coming for 20 years. And then he comes to a college game uninvited. He's playing a cow paw at the moment. It was a home game. And then I see my dad in the crowd. I'm like, I better do my best today because dad is here. I don't, for some reason, when a dad is there, we try to want that relationship. No matter how strained it was, no matter how awkward it was, we want that. And I played probably the game of my life. And there was no comment. And then I turned 40 on my birthday. And my dad obviously came and Karen had these little three by five cards. And everyone was supposed to write like a nice thought about me. They were supposed to, they were forced to write a nice thought about me. <laughs> um, and so I, I, the cards were filled out. I didn't, I didn't think my dad, my dad doesn't usually bother with those things. And so later on, Karen was like, your dad filled a card out. So what do I do? I'm like, Where are the cards at? Where are the cards? We got to get the cards. Where are the cards? So I run in the room. They're on the little counter. And I start thumbing through it. Like, who cares? 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 <laughs> That's his writing. And it was a comment 20 years ago when he saw me playing. You know what he said? You played like Messi. You're a great player. Been wanting to hear that for 25 years. And he said it when I was 40. And I just cried like a baby. Even now, just talking about it gets me so emotional. Just those words from my dad. 20 years later. All-time goal scorer from Mount Sac. The record still holds. I didn't care about that. All I wanted was my dad to say, you're a pretty good soccer player. That's all I wanted. Scholarship to Cal Poly. It meant nothing. All I wanted was to know, hey, dad, what do you think about me? That's what mattered. So when it comes to family... It's never, never neutral. Ever. If we try to move on 
and say, I don't care, I'm just going to move on. It's like a bungee cord. We get sucked back in. It's a bungee cord. You can run, but it will pull you right back. Because that's how deep it goes. If you hate your father, it's because he matters to you. The opposite of love is apathy. There is no love. And getting resolved with a family member is not just because I think I should. It's because if you're a Christian, you have a more compelling reason to get resolved. We can't live with an I don't care attitude. And buried beneath all that hurt, buried beneath all that disappointment, the distance, the silence, there's a desire to be connected to your family. There is. It's a desire to. How odd and dangerous was it for Jesus to invite us to call God Father. God, He invited us into that relationship. And we were estranged from God. And that's what I want to talk to you. I want to encourage you to reconcile with your family members. You can't make reconciliation happen but it's your best bet of living a healthy life. And this may be a losing battle, but it's worth the battle for your family. It's worth it. So I want to take you back for a little bit in time, all the fixings, fixing some of the deep, deep hurts that you have with your mom or with your dad or with your brother or with your sister or with your daughter or with your son or an in-law. Someone in your family, when you say, oh man, it hurts. This is the reason. For Christ, His love compels us. And I'm going to explain that in a second. This is why we have to get back into the fray of getting resolved with our moms, with our dads, and with our family. For Christ, love compels us. His, his love for us. This word compel is an interesting word. It means to constrain, to limit your options, to hem you in. It leaves you no choice. His love compels you, constrains you, limits you, hems you in. That's what that word means. And when we realize how much Christ loves us in spite of us, In spite of us. When we come to grips with how relentlessly He pursued us. And we were estranged from God. And He was compelled, constrained to love us. In spite of us. And we didn't deserve it. Because when you think about your family, they don't deserve reconciliation. That dude burned us all. Oh man, when she did that, oh man. When mom left... Oh, when dad abandoned us? Oh, no way. Unforgivable. No. Handshake. That's what he gets. Because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. That's the compelling part. Because we are convinced that someone died and therefore all died. And the next verse explains it. And he died for all 
that those who live should no longer live for themselves. I go my way, you go your way, brother, sister, dad, mom, it's over. That's the definition of all dead. You gotta be dead. We gotta die to ourselves. We gotta say no to us. I don't want to reconcile. They don't deserve it. That's what emotion says, isn't it? Oh no, I don't want to go. I don't want to do that. It's ugly. That's messy. Family is a messy business. Heck, relationships are a messy business. It's a messy, messy part. But for him who died for them and was raised again, he died for us. So we live for him. So what should we do? Whatever he says. Whatever he says. What do I do, Jim? Whatever that says right there. Be reconciled. We're going to talk about that today. The reconciliation, all the fixings, all the memories, all the hurts, all the estrangement. And family sometimes can be brutal. There could be sexual sin involved. Abuse involved. It gets ugly and ugly. The more you peel off the layers of the onion and get to the core, there is some dark stuff that happens in family that is kept secret for years and for generations. Secrets. This is why we don't talk to each other. We don't fellowship anymore. This is why the scripture says in 2 Corinthians, this this is just the same passage. All this, all this is from God. And pay attention to this. Who reconciled us to himself through Christ. God reconciled us to himself. He's the initiator. Reconciliation is a process of making things compatible. There was a conflict between us and God. And God, not us. God went to work to resolve the conflicts. He went to work. He initiated. What am I saying? What are you saying, Jill? Yes, you may need to initiate with your family. With your dad. I've had that talk with my dad. Dad, it would have been great for you to be more expressive. I was really hurt when you always try to give me a handshake instead of a hug. Can't you just hug me? Now we give like big, deep bear hugs. Like, <laughs> but growing up, it was like, okay, see you later. And I shook my hand. I'm like, I'm going away for two days. And I got a handshake. That's how it was. That was probably his experience growing up. It was, hello, go off to school. But I needed hugs. My mom would hug me, but she'd overhug you. And I really don't know why. I, want, I always got hugs from mom in one way, and I wanted hugs from dad. So you know what I do as a dad now? I'm, I'm hugger. I'm the hugger. I always hug. I hug at breakfast. I hug at dinner. I hug after school. I'm just a madman hugging my children. Hug, 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 hug. They get annoyed with it. But I'd rather be annoyed than be hurt. I'm going to be the hugger. 
God initiated a reconciliation between Himself and you. He initiated. Notice that He did it. So this is why He's challenging us in the same context. Not only us, but God was reconciling the whole world to Himself. Everyone in Christ. And through Jesus, God removed every obstacle to our reconciliation. Except us. Sometimes we're the, we're the obstacle. God set the table. He decorated, lit the candle, opened the door, and invited us in. And we were estranged from God. And He invited us to come on over. When you think about the person you're estranged with in your family, would you do that? Set the table, set it up, invite them over. Come on over. I want to have you in. That is what God was doing. The only obstacle to you being reconciled to God is you. The only obstacle in you being reconciled to God is you. Isn't that strange? We stop ourselves from doing it. God looked at you and said, He's messed up. She's messed up. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set the table. I'm going to open the door. And I'm going to invite them in. That's what God did. And there was a parable about that in the Bible. Where God did that for the, for the son who ran away and was reckless. And God set the table. Here's a party for you. And I guess he was like, I'm not going to that party. The older brother. You ever throw me a party? Oh, he's crazy. You let that boy in? Oh, he's crazy. You're jacked up. He's jacked up. And it all is estranged. And sometimes you have that. You want to get reconciled with your brother? And then the other brother's like, Oh, no, 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 no. You don't want to. Don't invite him to Thanksgiving. No, no Christmas. No way. You guys may be all huggy-guggy, but we're not huggy-huggy. Keep that dude away from us. Sometimes families are like that. Where you're doing fine, but somebody else, he's not fine. If he shows up, I'm not coming. Then it gets really awkward. You have, you have one victory, and you lose out on another one. Sometimes family's weird like that, isn't it? Isn't it weird like that? Strange. They should all become Christians, and it would work out. Amen. And so God was reconciling, reconciling the world to himself, and then says, and he gave us. God gave us something. He gave us some ministry. And it's called the ministry of reconciliation. That's what He gave us. Who was reconciling? God. Was it the one who strayed away? No. It was God. Was the innocent party or the guilty party reconciliating, initiating? It was the innocent party. God did nothing. God didn't do anything to us. We estranged ourselves from God and He gave us this ministry. He gave us this opportunity. Why did He do that? What's it entail? What does that entail? Not counting people's sins against them. That's what reconciliation is. Not counting their sins or their behavior against them. That's what reconciliation is. 
You cannot be reconciled unless you get past that. Going, hey, you know what? I'm not going to count their sins against him. And that's exactly what Jesus did for us. He did not count our sins against us. That's what when Marty spoke about the communion, about trusting the cross. That he's not counting our sins against us. He's not doing that. That's the reconciliation part. In spite of. And not pretending. We've all been to family dinners where we're pretending to like each other. I've been to enough of those. I don't want to pretend to have a nice Thanksgiving dinner. I want to have a nice Thanksgiving dinner. If you're married and have children, you're fighting with your wife at dinner, and you don't want the kids to know you're fighting, you're pretending. You've done that. Probably last week. I did that three weeks ago. I'm going to pretend I don't have an attitude. I'm going to pretend by not talking. Because if I talk, I'm going to say something rude and insensitive. So then I don't talk. And then my, my children, who are wise beyond their age, goes, Dad, are you mad at Mom? Why is that? Because you're not talking. <laughs> or if I have a scowl look on my face and, and Karen's upstairs, I'm like, I don't like what you said. Even though I was like, hey man, that's awesome, honey. I'm like, that's just terrible. And I'm quiet in my office and my, my, my daughter walks in. Dad, are you mad at mom? How do you people know this? What is happening with this household? Can I not be left alone to sulk? That's what my kids do. They engage me. Because they were telling me is to reconcile. One time, Karen and I are, are, are working it out in the bedroom. We're, we're, we're debating, arguing, not listening to each other, or trying our best to get resolved. And then you're knocking there. Are you guys going to go down to Peter and Katie's house to talk about this? Mind your business, child. It's what they do. It's awesome. Because we taught them that you must be reconciled. And so they're expecting us to be reconciled. You know, some of those things you teach your kids, you're like, why did I do that? (laughs) (laughs) That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. The message of reconciliation. We are, therefore, Christ's ambassadors. You know what an ambassador is? You're a representative of a country. I'm an ambassador to the United Nations. I go there to represent America and its values. We are called, as your Christian, we are the ambassadors. As though God were making His appeal through us. We're the ambassadors. Here's the challenge. We're supposed to carry this message to the entire world. And said the message is, you can be reconciled despite of your sins. That's the message. You know what we do most of the time? You want to come to church? That's not the message. The message is, God will reconcile with you despite of your sins. That brings a prideful person humble. Too many times we're like, want to come to church? Want to come to my church? Want to come to my church? Want to come to my... How about, hey, do you want a relationship with God? He'll reconcile with you despite of where you're at right now. That sounds more appealing. Hmm. You know, when I became a Christian, I actually didn't come to church. Even though I was invited to come to church, I didn't come to church for two months. 
what the, what the person did was that he studied the Bible with me. And he showed me that. And then I'm going, oh, when's church? We're having a kickoff in January. Why don't you join us? And then I went to church. It was like a nine-hour church service. I was like, whoa, dude, that's pretty committed. Like, I left at 12.30 because the Cowboys were playing. I was like, I'm out of here, bro. One o'clock game. And I got baptized the following week. And I have not missed church since other than being sick, almost dead. Because I want to be the ambassador. There's a message that God's given us to tell the entire world that God will forgive you despite of your sins. In spite of it. That's the challenge. And there's so many disagreements, unresolved things from our past. So many. I mean, if you can just think about that family member, you're going, oh, he has a lot of stuff there. Did God offer to reconcile you to himself before or after you rid yourself of every sin, every habit, every bad attitude? No, he did not. A lot of times we're like, we want to wait for them to completely change to reconcile with them. You need to have a job, making 15 bucks an hour, have your own apartment, buy your own food, and not leech off mom and dad. Right? We want you to be responsible. Bro, I want you to be faithful to your wife. Stop going to blood clubs and bars and acting like you're single when you're married. Hey, you know what, sis? Your husband's working hard and you don't appreciate him. You should start being a little more grateful to the guy who's lavished you. These are some of the things that can go through your mind like, hey, come on, that's my brother, that's my sister, she works hard, you better treat her right. See, God knew I couldn't handle a sister. God didn't give me a sister, he gave me three brothers. I'd be locked up doing 30 to life if I had a sister. God knew me. No sister for you. I want him to preach the gospel, so no sisters. I got three brothers. Because God knew someone would die if they hurt my sister. That's how intense family gets. You can find common ground once you decide to. This is not about convincing. It's not about convicting. It's not about coercing you. It's not about justifying your actions in the mind of the other person or being completely understood. No, it's a message of reconciliation with our families. Sometimes it's our parents who have the issues and not us. And that gets really awkward because you're like, you got to stop. Dad, you you should. And it's hard for them to get the message because they're not even Christians. So they just kind of live this way. And we have to kind of live in that world. You know, in spite of, remember what that means, in spite of, not counting, not counting men's or women's sins against them. That's what God did for us. And that's the message. Well, Well, what if they interpret like me trying to like invite them and reconcile, what if they take the message the wrong way and think I'm condoning their life? Or approving of what they're doing? Or agreeing with what they've done or are doing? Or, or, you know, I remember I told them not to marry that person, and they did. Or the divorcing of my dad, no way. Or he spent his money on drugs. I don't want him to get the wrong idea that I approve of what his life is. It's not about that. Because if you do that, you will not be like Jesus. 
If you're waiting for them to repent of every single sin, that's unlike Jesus. What did Jesus do to us? Even when you were in sin, Jesus was like, come on in. Let's get together. Let's have some time together. Then you'll be like Jesus. You'll be just like Him. Not counting men's sins against them. And that's where all want to be is to be more like Him. That'd be awesome. But some of us, we use the it'll look like I'm condoning card. Put that card away. That's just your pride. That's just our self-righteousness. Because we're doing it the right way. We love God. We have quiet times. We go to church. That's just our self-righteousness that comes out. That's just our hurt. And then we justify it. We justify our anger with alienation. So let me ask you a question. Who came to mind this morning in your family? What name came to the surface? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's put that, let's bury that. Hide that, Gio. Don't go there. Who came to mind? Who are you telling yourself about? I don't care about them. They're on their own now. I believe there's tension that you feel right now that is probably at the epicenter where God wants you to go and reconcile. I've had to do it with my own dad and with my mom. My mom and I get reconciled like once a year. She gets crazy, I confront, then we have this talk afterwards. So my mom, I love my... My mom and I are closer because she'll never hold back what she's thinking. Ever. She doesn't even care if Karen's in the room. She doesn't care if Karen's mother's in the room. She just lays it all out there, oblivious to the the fangs that come out. She's oblivious. She just tells you. You know what she's thinking. Oh, you you know how to cook. Let me get that for you. I'll make the turkey. It's the best in the world. My wife's standing right here. Mom, this is her kitchen. You're a guest in the kitchen. Mom, please leave the kitchen. Mom, leave. You need to leave the kitchen. And you can't talk that way to my wife anymore. These are the conversations, but it's right in front. Now, my dad's a different story. My dad will come into the room. He's calculating the situation. He hates everything and he hates you, by the way. Doesn't say a word. Eats the dinner. Says, thanks for your time. And he leaves. Who does? And if he, if he comes back to your home, then he actually likes you. If he doesn't come back to your house, it's because he didn't like you or your house or your cooking or your food. What I found very strange of late was Karen's dad is like a hermit and my dad's a hermit. So we have this little we have this little party for Karen, and there's my my dad and my father-in-law on the couch, like two little schoolboys, talking la 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 my dad's all leaning back, la 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 talking. I'm like, who is this man right here? Who is that man? And her dad, the hermit's talking, they're all talking, la 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 la. And they're just talking. Two old retired guys talking. I said, why why is that happening? My dad talks to no one. Nobody calls the home line. Nobody calls because he has no friends. Only people that call are family members. You know what I thought? He's accepting of her father because we're in the same family. That's kind of his like little, I'm reaching out. (laughs) We call that, that's basic life, dad. But my dad's like reaching out. And so I said, Karen, we got to get our, we got to get those two snuggle buttons together more often. 
I mean, they were like shoulder to shoulder laughing out, having a great time drinking beer. Oh, this is wonderful. And then after it's over, okay, it's gone. That's what he does. That's what he does. And we can be like that with our family. We can do it because we are Christians. We have the right teaching. We know what's right and what's wrong. They're morally, no moral compass. Well, i got to stay away. No, 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 no. That's your family. One thing my dad taught, all you have is your family. That's what you have. That's it. i got three brothers. That's it. i got cousins. They're great. I got uncles, they're great, but I got one family. I got a new nephew. My, my uncle, my, my brother Carlos had, and his, and his girlfriend had a son. I'm grateful because it's now the second male heir of our family. It was, my other brother had all girls. He was a complete disappointment to my dad. It's like, what is this? What is the matter with you? What's, your, what's inside of you? What's, you know, he's, just, he's just like, what's the matter with you? Could you not bear a son? You know, you know how he says it? He says it like this. Just says nothing. But I know what he's saying. I know what he's saying. What's the matter with you? He's just at the kitchen table. Hi, 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 hi. Then when Jane was born, he's like, he's at the hospital. What's going on? Holding hold the baby. It's like, it's like, it's like, it's like, it was like Lion King. What? It's crazy. Absolutely stunning. You know, my, my nephew's born. It's like, just, have you gone to Tennessee? Have you gone to see Carson? No, Dad, Dad, I tried. Carson's don't come over. Have you gone to see your... You know, Dad, Dad, Mufasa, calm down, Mufasa. Calm down. I will get there. I will see him. I will see him. Don't worry. He's challenging me to go see the other... I, I, I like him. Don't, I like him. I'm glad there's two. I'm glad there's two. That's the message. Is we got to be reconcilers in our family. We're the Christians. We're the ones that get our hands dirty. There's no guarantees. And it may be a losing battle. But it's a battle worth fighting for because it's your family. It's what our Father in Heaven did for us. For Christ's love compels us. And so we don't count men's sins against them. Not because of, but in spite of. Thank you for your time.